0: compare it to what we see going on in the kingdoms of the world. Uh, When it says, the Bible talks about the kingdom of God is at hand, and that we're supposed to seek the kingdom of God, well, the word kingdom there actually just means government. It's the ruling authority of your lives, and of course, the ruling authority of the lives of the people who follow Christ is the Holy Spirit, the, uh, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of creation. The spirit of life. And that's what's supposed to be ruling you. But the rest of the world, the flesh and the devil, seem to want to have control. And because we don't always follow the way of Christ, the world the flesh and the devil sometimes get control over our minds and therefore over our bodies and therefore over our lives and therefore over our families and therefore over our community and therefore over our nation because we don't really understand how the kingdom of god works and uh, and how it functions we don't even understand what it is we don't understand what it what it looks like and yet we're supposed to be seeking the kingdom of God and the righteousness of God, which is another thing that we don't always know what looks like. The righteousness of God. <laughs> what what would God call righteous deeds and what would God call unrighteous deeds? And that's a that's a real important thing to contemplate, to wonder about, to pray about, to think about, To ponder so that we can actually understand what God is, you know, what God's righteousness looks like. So we can say, you know, I'm not really doing the righteousness of God. I'm doing deeds that are contrary to the righteousness of God. And, of course, we know that those would include the deeds of the Nicolaitan. Because the Nicolaitan, uh, the deeds of the Nicolaitan, God hates He hates the deeds of the Nicolaitans. So those are, those are not his deeds. Those are not righteous. Those, those deeds of the Nicolaitans are not righteous. And we also know that the deeds of the Nicolaitans are the same as the deeds of the error of Balaam. And they actually would include the error of the people who went into the bondage of Egypt. Their deeds. God hates. Because he says he doesn't want us to go back to Egypt. He doesn't want us to go back to that bondage of Egypt, where we are subject to the rulers of Egypt, where they can they can put pressure on us to abort our children, to you know cast our children out, and uh, because that's what was happening at that time. They wanted to reduce the population of the Israelites, and so they created, through systems of the Egyptian state, they created a situation where people were actually casting their children out. The idea of having more children was a bad thing. And they were, they were untimely generated. And if you go read our articles on that, we show you the actual, uh, Hebrew and Greek words that were used in reference to describing what was going on in Egypt where they were actually starting to give their wives pessaries that we know existed back then. We know they existed in 600 uh, B.C. because of the fact that uh, uh, in the Hippocratic Oath it's that was one of the things that the Doctors who took the Hippocratic Oath were supposed to not give a pessary. And if you don't know what a pessary is, it's an abortive substance. It's something that causes a spontaneous abortion. And that was part of the Hippocratic Oath, that a doctor was to do nothing to give a woman a pessary, cause an abortion. Because the idea of reducing the population of the world, reducing... It is not an idea of God. God wants to give life. He wants to have as many people alive as possible. And of course, there's a way to do that. You know, uh, socio ecologists are saying that we know the earth could actually carry a lot more people than it carries now, comfortably carry a lot more people than it co- carries right now, which is supposed to be like seven, eight billion people. And uh th- we're not maxed out in any way, shape, or form. And, I, I mean, you can go all over, even over China. You know, it's supposed to be such a crowded country. And there's vast areas of China that nobody lives in. They could live in. They've actually built cities, huge, giant cities, uh with, you know, apartments that could hold thousands of people and stadiums and everything. And nobody lives there. They just built these extra cities. They're all inland for some reason, uh, but uh, they built them, and uh, nobody lives there. And, and I, you have to do your own speculating. I mean, it, they're really there. You can really go see them. Uh, you probably can't go see them, but uh, they are. You know, they have made uh, videos about them and toured them and, and everything. Why did they build those? And there's all kinds of speculation and conspiracy theories, but the reality is, is there's lots of room in China for even more people. Uh, people, there, there's a lots of room in the world for all kinds of things, but you have to love life to make room for life. And there seems to be a spirit in the world that is not making room for life. It actually wants to diminish life. Diminish the value of life. So where does that come from? And, uh, well, we're going to look at some of those things. Uh, I've added a lot of new information and expounded on information already present at Preparing You. And uh, we're going to touch on some of those basic ideas, and we're going to revisit some things like, you know, how, how do you create a, co- a free community, which seems to be what Christ was preaching. The kingdom of God would be a kingdom type community of people or a, a variety of communities of people that are in a, multiple places that are interconnected to make this. That's what, that's what a nation is. A nation is comprised of multiple communities in a general society where the people are bound enough together somehow through social bonds or uh, economic bonds or cultural bonds, or maybe all three of those things, so that they are a nation, a peculiar nation. A peculiar people is a peculiar nation. You know, I mean, the the word Gentile just means other nations. And other words that you look at in the Greek and the Hebrew, when they talk about a people, they're talking about a nation. And so the kingdom of God is about nationalism. But there's all kinds of nationalism. There's all kinds of forms of government. There's all kinds of forms and types of communities. And there's all kinds of social bonds that may band the people together. But are those social bonds based on virtue? Or are they based on force? Are they based on greed? Are they based on avarice and wantonness? Well, of course, the kingdom of God has to be based on the righteousness of God, and of course, that would be the virtues of God. And so, that's what we look at in order to figure out what the process of looking for the kingdom of God really looks like. And uh so th- those are some of the things that we're going to explore today and we're going to look at a lot of things in order to get a, a clear image of that. But not just a clear image of it in the sense of uh, what is true, but a clear image of it um, in relationship to what is false. Because in order to find the truth, a lot of times you, you have to put a line through what is false, what is not true, that you've already accepted to be true that just ain't so. Because, you know, that's what Mark Twain says, that that's what gets us into trouble. It's not so much what we don't know, but what we absolutely know is true that just ain't so. And so we're going to look at some of the things that a lot of people think that are true, that are actually myths, that are actually false, that are actually not true. And, of course, that's what Christ was doing. Somebody wrote uh, this week and was talking about... Uh, uh, you know, uh, the fact that uh, we have to uh, protect ourselves against the Pharisee spirit. And, because uh, the Pharisees were quick to criticize and to put people down. And, uh, and we, we shouldn't have that spirit of wanting to put people down and criticize people. And I thought like, well, somebody should have told Jesus that. <laughs> He's, he's talking about people being vipers and uh, terrible and evil and and not bearing fruit. And he's going to take the kingdom away from them and uh, that they're hypocrites. And uh, that's very critical. That, that can be counted as hate speech. But, you know, to not tell somebody that they're doing wrong, that's actually hateful. You you should inform people that they're doing wrong. But you have to be careful about that. And and Jesus warns about that. You know, casting pearls to swine because they'll turn on you and rent you under. So what's a swine? It's somebody who doesn't want to be anything other than a swine. They don't want to be anything other than a viper. Which is why most of the criticism that you see coming from Christ came later in his ministry. (laughs) Because... You gotta, you have to be led by the Holy Spirit. It is very important to be led by the Holy Spirit, but I mean, like, what does that look like? How do you know it's the Holy Spirit? Because we know that that evil can appear as an angel light, so you may think that you're following the Spirit of God, and you're actually following the Spirit of, of the unrighteous, of the demons, of the, of the bad guys, you know, whatever you want to call them. You know, the, the bad spirits that lead you down into a pit of darkness. And actually, that's what I've been seeing going on in the news, is that there is a large number of people that are, are seeking a, a spirit of evil, a spirit of darkness, a spirit of hiding, a spirit of not wanting to see things. This is why we see so much of that censorship going on in the news. I mean we've always had censorship. We've always had fake news. I mean you go back to Jefferson and he's saying that if you if the if you don't read the news you're uninformed. If you do read the news you're misinformed. So why are you misinformed when you read the news? Because there was fake news when Jefferson was in America So that's not a new thing. Although the term fake news was fairly new. It was actually coined by people like Obama. He was the one that was first talking about fake news. It wasn't Trump. It was Obama. But uh, we know anybody who's looked at the news objectively, which is not everybody, obviously, even the people who like Trump and they see that he was... You know, this is one of the things I was astonished is that they were picking on Trump and on his wife and on his kid. That was all used to be taboo. And they were just, I mean, they they were like savages going after him. And uh, the name calling and the misreporting and the Russian conspiracies and that ended up being totally unfounded. Uh, but people have locked into those stories and you can't change their minds now not that i want to become a defender of trump but i i always want to be a defender of the truth and even you know you know it's hard to have sympathy for a multimillionaire, but there that, that that's the fact is that they were they were going after people with uh, tenacious uh, venom that was just unfair but what we need to do is look into our own hearts. And because the fake news, the, the CNNs and MSNBC, well, Fox News even reports things with a bias. There's NPR reports things with a bias. And so, you know, you can look at all of them, but you have to realize that all men are liars. <laughs> so, all of them will lie at one point or another. Whether they know they're lying or they're just in error, or incompetent or whatever, that's a, another thing. But the good news of the Bible, that we, the kingdom of heaven was at hand and that we should be seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness, that, that was a good news, but There's also fake good news. And that has permeated Christianity. What what calls itself Christianity today. What calls itself the church today. Is immersed in the fake good news. And so how do we tell the difference between those things? Well, there's a spirit that comes with those spreading the fake good news. They don't want certain ideas to in the fake good news in the fake kingdom in the fake church there's no freedom of speech there's censorship and of course we saw that with the inquisitions where they're actually killing people and burning people but you can go back to the early what we call the early church it really wasn't the church it was the church of Constantine the church of Constantine was a different church and this is one of the things that I've also been working on is, I, you know, I, I usually get my inspiration when I wake up in the morning. <laughs> a couple of days ago, I woke up in the morning and I, I said, who is that these councils, like the Council of Nicaea and the Council of Milan? Who are the guys who showed up there? I mean, the Council of Milan had a lot of people show up over 300 they say showed up and, and you know all the bishops were invited to the council of milan uh they weren't just invited they were actually ordered to come <laughs> according to constantine's command that all the bishops of the roman church were supposed to come and of course since they had been persecuted for off and on for over 300 years they weren't going to rush down and, and, and go to the deal. And there was at least 1,200 known bishops. What, now, when I say the word bishop, now this is, this is one of those things that you have to be guarding yourself against. Is When I say the word bishop, you're going to think of what you think of as a bishop when you look out in the modern church. And you'll say, "Oh, that's the institutional church that that." Because I just read this morning, somebody sent me a note that the instit- institutional church has to be attacked. And I thought, like, that doesn't sound very Christian. <laughs> Actually, that's going to play back in when I tell you what went on at Nicaea. But uh, the the idea of censoring some people, we see that immediately in the Nicene Council. Uh, we actually see that with one of the very first bishops of Milan, which we've already got an article up. It was just Ambrose. Ambrose was a guy who wasn't a Christian, didn't know anything about Christianity, but Constantine made a command that everybody in Milan had to become a Christian. They had to go out and become a Christian. And uh, so they did. They all became Christians. They they actually, a lot of them got baptized to become Christians. But that wasn't the call for from Jesus Christ or John the Baptist. It wasn't to get baptized and become Christians. The call was to repent, get baptized, and therefore become, you know, not become Christians, but supposedly that's what, they didn't even have the word Christian then. They had, Follow the way. And that's what Christians did. They followed the way that Christ was laying out in the New Testament. And and the, in the Gospels and in Paul. They're, they're laying out something. Unfortunately, most people who read the Bible today don't see what they were laying out. It's there. It's right there in black and white. But they don't see it because something's been happening... All the fake good news has been permeating their minds and they've been accepting ideas and now they, they can't let go of those ideas because they believe they were true, what they were told. They believed that was true and now they've accepted that and now to admit that what they were told and they now believe to be true is not true takes a certain amount of humility. And people are not willing to do that. Just like, you know, all the I hate Trump people who are just obsessed with hating Trump. And then they find out, oh, there was no Russian. That's a Russian hoax. <laughs> well, they they say, well, there's other reasons I hate him. You know, he just irritates me. Well, once you become irritated and hate somebody, for whatever reason, it it's hard to let go of that hate. It's hard to forgive them, and to just calm down. And the reason why it's hard is because we haven't been following the way. Christianity, modern Christianity, for the last hundred years for sure, but even for the last thousand years, a great deal of what has been called Christianity has not really been doing what Christ said. About a thousand years ago, the beast was unchained. (laughs) The 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 dragon was let loose in in the world. That prophecy is actually already in in motion. And uh, but I know I know a lot of you aren't going to believe that because now that goes against what you've learned in your catechism. But that's not the subject of what we're talking about today. We'll have to address that elsewhere. That's the thing is there's so many lies now that people have accepted as truth that when you talk about one they you know they oh that's that's not true that goes against what i believe so it can't be true cuz what i believe is true no this is where you have to come with a humble heart if you're going to learn anything all students should come with a humble heart willing to hear you, you self-censoring is the worst kind of censoring self-censoring builds a prison where you you know like you put your hands over here I'm not listening I'm not listening <laughs> because you you can't even you don't even want to hear an opposing opinion that means that what you believe you don't really believe it you think it but you don't really believe it when you really believe something when it's really ingrained in the depths of your heart and your soul it it can't be overturned just by somebody saying something. It can only be overturned if you doubt. But if you just think something, if you, if your identity comes from a thought rather than from the very soul of your being, then when somebody has an, an opposing opinion, you feel threatened. You feel attacked. And you want to censor them. You'll self-censor them. You don't even need, you know, Google and Twitter and all these things. Everybody thinks that now that Elon Musk is buying Twitter, and I thought it was really funny that when the announcement that the deal is going through, it isn't really gone through. I mean, he's not down there on Twitter ordering people around or anything yet. That's going to take a little bit of time. But immediately, hundreds of thousands of people started following certain conservative people that were still on Twitter. Well, they didn't all just join. I mean, thousands and thousands of people. What it was is their application to follow certain people now has been let through because the algorithms were evidently stopping them. (laughs) And people who supposedly had tens of thousands of followers on the left suddenly lost those followers. Uh, Did they all just quit Twitter and they all lost them at thousands and thousands a day? No. No, the algorithms had to be shut off. (laughs) That were were making everybody think that so many people were following him. But anyway, we'll be right back to Keys of the Kingdom. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So, basically, uh, this idea that Elon Musk is now going to own Twitter and then free speech is going to be back... Uh, Elon Musk is not your salvation. Even if Elon Musk, you know, I think it's great that he's doing that. Uh, I I find it fascinating, like I said, because you you can clearly see that they're flicking off their algorithms that were giving us a distorted view of how many people. I remember remember when, you know, what were they going to do if Biden kept drawing crowds that couldn't fill a bowling alley when he was running for president of the United States? They had to do something. So he hid out in his basement and they just didn't even have rallies. But yet he had millions upon millions of votes. Well, of course, a lot of those votes were people, I hate Trump people, who were manipulated into hating Trump by false stories that just came one after another out of the, you know, the the traditional, what do they call the the media (laughs) that... That uh, was, is actually the media of madness. The, the fake news people. And they got huge numbers of people just, and I know some of them in my, uh, you know, family members who just, just believe all kinds of stories that were floating around that are just absolutely false and they're still clinging to it. They, they won't let it go. And, And so they just, just the sound of his voice, all their hate is focused on him. I mean, there's actually people who have, not in my family, but that there are people who actually have voodoo dolls where <laughs> they stick pins in, you know, the, that look like Trump. And, you know, that's the old burning people in effigy kind of thing. But this is all hate-driven. This has nothing to do with Christ. You know, making these choices based on that. But anyway, supposedly, Biden won the election. He's president. He's got one of the worst poll popularities in the history of the presidency going back quite a ways uh, but uh, he, he supposedly running the show but obviously is not somebody else is doing it i remember quoting one of the supreme court justices years ago is it uh, i was trying to remember what his name is oak douglas uh, but anyway uh, he says. It's it's not you know our ruling class the presidents and congressmen that rule the country it's the vast bureaucracy of the government that has become the new George the third and and that that's what's happened is you this is what you see in the FBI with it's you know where they they are catering. To somebody who has control of these institutions, of the CDC, of, 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 uh, you know, the FDA, all these different organizations, these bureaucracies that has been created in this multi-billion dollar corporation called the United States, they're calling all the shots and somebody is controlling them. And we see the same thing in the, in the press. But the fact is, is all those things that are going on in the press and what we're hearing and and uh, you know the supposed policing powers of these bureaucracies like FBI etc national security and all these things are feeding the frenzy of a psychosis a delusion where nobody is in love with the truth they are in love with their imagination they have imagined a world they imagine who people are and they worship that image that they have imagined. And that image was created by the media, by the bureaucracy, by the constant repetition of stories, whether true or not, or is irrelevant. Once they're accepted, they're now, that is the, I, I heard uh, one of the senators, Senator Johnson, I think it's Ron Johnson, who was giving a speech. Uh I don't know exactly when it was it was recently put up on scoop but uh uh it had to have been a little while back where he was doing this like in congress or in the senate and uh, he had boards he was pulling up and everything uh at that particular time the bears death count for people who had taken the vaccine who had died within days of taking the vaccine or a booster uh, was around 19,000, and of course it's, it's probably 10,000 more than that now. Just the bears count, which we know is only about 1% of the actual cases, so the actual number is probably in the millions, but, uh, nobody knows because they, even though these are government, part of the government data in their own bureaucracy, they try to poo-poo it. By saying, "Wow, anybody could fill out these pages." Well, actually, anybody can't, and there's no evidence that there's some kind of conspiracy of people sending in false reports. And all the reports accounted at bears actually go through CDC, and they try to find some reason to discount it. And still, there was last I looked, there was twenty six thousand reported deaths within days. And I actually know people who got the shot, didn't want to get the shot, forced into it, coerced into it. And they did die within 48 hours of getting the shot of blood clots. Of, and they were young people, fairly young people in good health. They could have got COVID and recovered undoubtedly because 98, 99% of the people who get it recover. It's only people with other health issues. But nobody wants to look at that because they've already been, their thinking has already been created by the media through the use of fear. Constant repetition of something you need to be afraid of. And and there's other things coming down the, the pike that they will have you being afraid of. Now now it's food shortages. are all supposed to be afraid of food shortages. By constantly reporting that kind of story, you're going to have people going out buying more food than they normally would, which is good, it's fine, but that's going to create a shortage. We already were creating a more of a shortage than than the what 18 fires over six months in food processing plants of so the thousands and thousands of food processing plants. 18 of them, that's not a, a large percentage. It just seems coincidental that that many of them. Were damaged, but I know some that were destroyed, absolutely burned to the ground. They've already got another building, and they're setting up to fill that warehouse as well. And they were insured, and so they're recovering, and that's the way it works. But if you panic half of the country to go out and buy twice as much food that they normally buy in a given week, you're going to see shortages and then that's going to feed more fear because people are going to go in and see empty shelves which we're not used to seeing although we had a little bit of that with the the whole toilet paper thing. But it starts, you know, the first time I went into a store which I don't go into a store. I haven't been in a store for almost a year now. At least a half a year. I probably was in once or twice in the last 12 months. But... uh I went into a a store during the beginning of the, you know, toilet paper panic. Uh, And I saw somebody running around with arms full of big bundles of toilet paper and they come out of the aisle and they looking both ways as to which way to go. What am am I going to get now? And they were like in a frenzy. They were like in a panic. I I seen the same look in... In, in, in a cow that thinks it's it's cornered and uh, it's, thinks it has to run for its life. And you know, you don't want to get in the front of that cow because she'll just run right over you. She is in such a panic. And it's the same as that little lady shopping with her arms full of toilet paper. Well, now you're going to see that with food. But that's all fear-driven. But we have a whole nation of people that are fear-driven. Do we know why so many Americans are fear-driven? Why so many Americans are hate-driven? We can go to Australia and see the same process. It doesn't have to be Americans. Uh, certainly, we see it in Europe. Why are so many people fear and hate-driven? Anger-driven? And like I've, I've told people many times, fear and hate is the same thing. It's fight or flight. That's coming from the same place in your soul, in your mind. Fight or flight, fear or anger, judgment. Because you either fight or flight. You know, we call it, uh, you know, uh, you know this, the, this judgment, this anger. That's that's the fight, the run is the flea, you know, but they're coming out of the same thing. If you're afraid, you will be angry. If you're angry, you will be afraid because those things will take a cycle in you. If you're seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness, you will not be moving from fear or anger. You will not be judging others. You will not be blaming others. You will not even be blaming yourself because you have to forgive yourself as well as to forgive others. You have to forgive your enemy. The fake news people, you have to forgive them. Because you have to leave judgment to God. But then what is God? People don't even know what God is. And, and, in truth, you can't really even know what God is. It's, it's the concept of God, the creator of the universe. That's too big a concept. That's like, you know, a number with a million zeros. That's an infinite thing. You don't know what it is. We just call it God. We even say, call him God. Some people want us to call her God. But him or her, I mean you're you're limiting God as soon as you start trying to get his pronouns right it's, it's like you know, like Trudeau and his uh didn't want to say mankind. wanted to say womankind or personkind, I think is what he was opting for. Well the fact is, mankind includes women it's because it's, the word woman includes man. A woman is is a man. She's just a woman. (laughs) It's it's all part of mankind. To say mankind includes all women. But uh, these people, they don't even think because they live in their imagination and their imagination is manipulated by the world around them. The world, the news, the media, the flesh, their own lusts and desires and fears and angers and the devil. What's the devil? Yeah, the reality is is there there is a spiritual realm, and and God created the physical realm with the spiritual realm. If we look at the Bible, that's what it says. He breathes upon the water. He breathes into man and gives man a life that he didn't have without the breath of God. Man is made in the image of God. Man has the characteristics of being a creator also. At least a procreator. And, uh, he, he lives in the world. He has a job. Dress it and keep it. And, uh, but he can actually do so, dress it and keep it, with the character of God. And the character of God we know by the stories, by all the myths of all the religions, Includes several characteristics, but one, it includes the idea of sacrificing. Your life is not more important than everybody else's life. You care about others as much as you care about yourself. Well, the I hate Trumpers, or the I hate, you know, Democrats, or I hate, uh, you know, a particular race. I hate whites, I hate blacks. Anybody who's operating from trying to blame everything on somebody else, or at least a large portions of everything, you know, Russians. Yeah, I hate Russian. All these are falling prey to a character that is not of God. Because God doesn't even hate the Nicolaitan. He hates the deeds of the Nicolaitan. The world... That hated him. He doesn't even hate the world. He, he so loved the world that he was willing to give his only begotten son that the world might be saved. And he actually uses the word in there that is the world that his kingdom is not a part of. But he still wanted that world to be saved. God even wanted Cain to be saved. Because God does not hate life. He he forgives his enemy. But then there is this thing we call the wrath of God. And we think, oh, well, that's the anger of God. Well, there's there's a dozen different, oh, well, at least a half a dozen different words in the Bible that are translated into wrath. And they're not all, none of them, I think, hardly are always translated into wrath, except maybe one of the Greek words. But it's it's not hate. The wrath of God, and we'll do a show about this eventually, but the wrath of God is literally the the cause and effect of the universe, built into the universe. The wrath of God is the effect of the cause, which is set into motion immediately when you do something. Every time you do something, the, the ripples that you are causing by doing that are in the universe. They're in the singularity, in the... In, it goes out into the cosmos and it has its effect. But you don't always feel the effect until later on. When that the feeling of that effect reaches you, we call that the wrath of God. That's what the wrath of God is. But that's just a brief look at that. So let's go back to how do we see the kingdom of God? How do we seek the kingdom of God? How do we recognize the kingdom of God and how do we distinctly separate, distinguish the righteousness of God of God from the unrighteousness of the world, which is the system of men, specifically the system of men that don't want to live according to the character or the way of God, this way of giving life. They want to take life away. They want to, they want to reduce the number of people on the face of the earth. They, they don't love the life of their neighbor. They love their life. Their life is more important than the life of their neighbor. You know, people who think that way are not going to find the kingdom of God. The people who want to shut up their neighbor or shut out their neighbor or whatever or, or hate their neighbor. Hate the Nicolaitan, hate the leftists, or hate the conservatives, or hate even hate the white supremacists. You're not supposed to hate the white supremacists. You're supposed to forgive them. You're supposed to stand for righteousness. But we don't do that. We're sucked into this cycle of hate and fear. If you're afraid of what's coming, it's already here. Its effect is already taking hold of your soul. So how do you get out of that? How do you get away from that? Uh, so anyway, this is what we're going to be talking about uh, it more and more. And, and So that you can start seeing what the kingdom of God looks like. So you can actually say, this is not it. Or this is it. <laughs> how that works. You know, the, the whole thing of censorship... And, and fake news, like I said, Obama's, I think the first one that I can remember that mentioned it, long before Trump uh, mentioned it. Uh, but, uh, you know, and, and the censorship that, uh, supposedly Elon Musk is going to save us from on Twitter. And like I say, I'm fine with him doing whatever he does. Uh, I think he should, you know, follow his heart. Follow, but even if, he, like I said, if he was filled with the Holy Spirit, he's still not your salvation. It's only when you're filled with the Holy Spirit that your salvation is nigh unto you. And you know you're not filled with the Holy Spirit if you're afraid, if you're angry, if you're judgmental, if you're blaming other people for the problems that you're facing. Then you know you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is a comforter. When you make decisions based on the leading of the Holy Spirit, you will be comfortable with those decisions. If you're not comfortable with your decisions, if they're full of fear and anxiety and depression, you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. You can't feel depressed and be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's just, And I'm not picking on you if you're depressed or you have a problem with depression. But just know that that that's a that, that sign. If If you're out coveting your neighbor's goods, if you're out hating your neighbor, if you're out hating the Russians, or hating this group or that group, or this guy or that guy, you know, they'll hold up somebody. Let's all hate this guy this week. You know, then you know that the Holy Spirit is not in you. Hate is in you. Darkness is in you. And from that darkness will come that hate. And like I said, you know, long, long before Obama left office, he turned over what they call ICANN, I-C-A-N-N, whatever it is called, uh, uh, the, uh, what does that stand for? Internet Corporation for Assigned Names and Numbers. <laughs> he turned over that outside of America. It wasn't controlled by America anymore which also means that the, the what is the other one IANA the internet signed numbers agency or authority I think it's authority uh, he's he turned that over outside of the United States and of course that's the the first thing you hear in the news warning Elon Musk that if he allows too much free speech in Twitter he's going to run into problems when people log into their Twitter in Europe <laughs> Or in the countries of Europe. See, the, it, I saw this coming years ago. And, and you know, I actually saw things. Uh, you know, I, I see more statutes being passed. You're looking at Oregon because I have relatives who share this information with me. And, of course, I'm by following the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit brings information to me. And it also gives me you know, the, through the Holy Spirit, which all of you have just as much access to as I do. But you have to actually listen to it. You can't put your hands over your ears and your eyes and say, I'm not listening. <laughs> you have to actually listen to the Holy Spirit. And a lot of you don't know how to do that, which is why I encourage people to go on the website and learn meditation and start doing meditation. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of meditations, but we talk about a particular one. And I think it would be helpful to a lot of people. And if you, if you join the network and you want individual counseling, you want to get on, that's one of the things that we, we're probably not going to have the community call for a little while. People are misusing the community call. They're just, they're just kind of bored and lonely and they want to get on a call and, and talk to somebody. All the congregations, all the people who sit down in the tens, hundreds and thousands like Christ commanded can have, they can have their own congregational call. And we can take those congregations and we can have, uh I don't know, whatever you want to call it, an assembly call, a church call. And everybody who is already sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, they'll be given that secret, secret number to call in. And if people want to set up individual counseling calls, we can do that within limits. Hopefully, you know, we're already doing that to some degree. And uh, what I have to... What we all have to do is start learning how to be counselors and how to follow the way, the way of Christ that will set you free. Because all these other ways, the Church of Constantine is not going to set you free. And we were talking about that with the first bishop in Milan was Ambrose. Knew nothing about Christianity. Was elected by all these new Christians who did not repent and get baptized and become Christians. They just got baptized and said they were Christians. Now, they did some things more like Christians, but very clearly in their own record, in their own history, which we go into in in our article about Ambrose and our article about Constantine, they were committing the error of Balaam from day one. And then, you know, day two... Ambrose, this new bishop who had to take time off to go study Christianity to find out what it was that he was the bishop of, didn't even know. He became the bishop before he even knew what a bishop actually did, which is why modern Christians today, if I say the word bishop, like I said at the beginning of the show, if I say the word bishop, you're thinking the bishops of Constantine and Constantine's church as it evolved over 2,000 years. But that's not the bishops of the early church, which were actually called overseers. That's another way they translate the word. They're not rulers. They don't exercise authority. They exercise service. And this is key to finding the way. Which we'll have to talk about when we come back to Keys of the Kingdom after this brief break. So come back and we'll look at it. So welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So that Ambrose guy that we were talking about earlier, who became a bishop of a church, who is considered a father of the church by a church, that is not actually following the way of Christ, but is following the way of Constantine and the world governments, whose, whose power as a church is granted to it by the world. See, the power of the church established by Jesus Christ is granted to it by Jesus Christ. And, of course, we have articles up, had them up for years and years. We have the the book, The Covenants of the Gods, that uh, talk about, you know, your church is either incorporated by Christ or it's incorporated by somebody else. It can't be incorporated by both. And the corporations of the world and the rules of the corporate power of the world, which is itself a corporation, I mean, the world... By definition, the word world that we see in those quotes, you know, like, my kingdom's not of this world, or God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that it might be saved, is the definition of that word is constitutional order or system of government. If it's a constitutional order, it's probably a corporation. I mean, you read the the Constitution of the United States. It's creating a corporation. A lot of people say, oh, it was in, what was it, 1871 or something like this. They changed the United States into a corporation. Nonsense. I mean, there were changes. We have articles up and done shows on this to show you what was really going on. But the reality is, just reading, I mean, it's talking about its officers and its offices and its division of powers and how you elect people. That's a corporation. (laughs) It's it's two or more people gathered together for a particular purpose under a pre-existing authority. And the Constitution was written under the authority of not the people of America, but of the states which we have an article, We the People. Go look that up, at Preparing You. And we explain. And we show evidence, facts, where even the Supreme Court agrees with us that We the People doesn't refer to all the people in America because they never voted on it. They wouldn't have voted on it. Historians agree. They would have voted the Constitution down. It was so unpopular amongst the people. But We the People were the people at the bottom of the page. They were the we the people of the United States and eventually they added to those numbers when states began to ratify and participate in the corporate charter, which is the Constitution of the United States. Even after that was created and implemented, the states, according to one of the most fundamental law books in America, used for almost, uh, well, I can say almost a century now, used to train lawyers... Clark's Summary of U.S. American Law says that the states were still as foreign to each other as Mexico is to Canada. They were actually separate countries even after the Constitution of the United States was implemented. So the Consti- Constitution of the United States did not really create the United States of America nation. It was a group of nations, you know, Thirteen at first, and now some fifty. But it's an organic constitution, so they've added a lot of amendments, and uh, all the citizens have changed their relationship with the government. So now they have become, because they have become members of the government, no longer citizens of their state, but citizens of the United States, they've all become we the people. But that was a process of people seeking something that caused them to change that relationship. And, and, of course, now there's guys out there trying to sell you on the idea that you can become a state citizen again and and then you're free of the United States federal government. And But we can go through that step by step that most of that is bogus, very easily explained and proven to be bogus and by the facts, by actual information, not wishful thinking. You, you do not want to reason out things with wishful thinking. You want to have the facts, but, of course, all those facts are are fruit of the tree of knowledge. And, you know, you can pick this fact and that fact and that fact, and you can come up with a conclusion, but maybe you didn't pick enough facts. (laughs) You came up with the wrong conclusion. So in order to get the right conclusion, you may have to pick more facts (laughs) from the tree of knowledge. And then you say, oh, you know, that's where somebody says, Well, all I have to do is fill this out and then I'll be free and and uh then they have to recognize me and uh they have to, you know uh yeah, but what about this fact over here? I'm not looking, I'm not listening <laughs> that's what you they don't want to look at this fact over here. But see, if they were eating of the tree of life It would show you what facts are important or less important. It would give you the answer before you looked at all the facts. And then you could go and look at the facts and see if the answer you got from the Holy Spirit or the tree of life was actually true. You see, this this is what they're telling you in the New Testament. James is telling you this. You think you're saved because you think you've received the Holy Spirit and that you are following the way of Christ, you know, but are you? How do you know if you are? By what you do. If you're following the Holy Spirit, you're not going to do the deeds of the Nicolaitans. You're not going to go back into the bondage of Egypt. You're going to remain free souls under God. But that's not what's happened. Because people have been listening to the Church of Constantine and bishops like Ambrose. Which in the last part of that story that I will add to, which I, I cover in our article on Ambrose, is that Ambrose, we still have the speech, appeared in front of the Roman Senate, asking the Roman Senate to persecute People who did not believe in his view of Christianity. Not Christ's view of Christianity. His view of Christianity. His view of Christ. Of course, he he went and studied to learn what Christianity was all about. His actions show that he did not really believe in Christ that he believed in the way of the Nicolaitans. He he wasn't like Paul, who said, we have a table of which they cannot eat, and, and and covetous is idolatrous. He was allowing you to covet your neighbor's goods through Constantine. He didn't change it that much. Which we see right there in their own records that Constantine who was killing his partner and confiscating his partner's family's uh, property. And, of course, that meant he also had to kill all of his partner's family so there would be no heirs to the property, and therefore then the state would confiscate that property. And he did this with whole villages of thousands of people. He killed them to get their property. And so he had all this extra money, gold and silver and, and property, and he signed it over to the church that he was creating. The Church of Constantine. And Ambrose was okay with that. Ambrose thought, yeah, I'd like to have some of that property. Some of that silver. He didn't give out much gold. Gold stayed with Constantine. Because the army ran on gold. But the silver he was willing to give to his new church bishops which became hundreds of bishops rather quickly. Probably thousands of bishops. Of the 12,000 Christian bishops that existed, we know existed before the Council of Milan, only 319 supposedly showed up, and there's a question with that account. Because all of those that showed up may have not been bishops. We know sometimes several bishops showed up together and so they would be all counted as bishops. But some of the people that showed up were not actually bishops, but assistants. And they later became a bishop, but some of them became bishops under Constantine and some of them were at the Council of Nicaea. And we'll go through this in a separate program, but... There was arguments at the Council of Nicaea that now only had a small number of bishops. I think that most of the bishops, and this is what I woke up that one morning said, "Who was at the Council of Nicaea and so I looked it up and they tell you and they tell you the history of these people right away the guys who formulated the creed uh, the 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 uh, theology of the Trinity. I'm not saying there's not a Trinity. I'm just saying that some of their versions of the Trinity are distorted and false and misinformation. Fake news. Fake good news. The way they interpret it. And you know this by what they did. And what did some of those bishops do? They immediately began to exile other bishops. Now how did they exile them? They actually... They had to move away from the congregations that they served. They were, they, they could still serve those congregations, but they had to move to another country. <laughs> another, another, I mean, thousand miles away sometimes. Well, in those days, you move a thousand miles away, you're pretty ineffective as a minister to the local people, because they didn't have telephones, they didn't have cell phones, they didn't have shortwave radios, Uh, all of what you may need and more in the days to come, because they intend to censor the real truth. They've been doing it for hundreds of years, but they're going to do it in in greater and greater earnest. But, I mean, one of the things that I'll just tidbit on, one of the particular guys, and we'll go through this when we go through these councils and who was at them and what they were deciding, besides exiling people. So they, the, the, by doing that, they're actually telling the local people that are assembled in free congregations, free assemblies, you can't have this bishop. You can't have this minister of ministers. That's what a bishop was. He was a minister of ministers, a servant of servants. Christ talked about that. That's how you you go up in rank in the church established by Christ. Now, see, I just used the word rank. A lot of people, do you think that's a rank of authority? No, it's not, because Christ forbid that. You, you weren't to rule one over the other. So, going up in the rank of the church, from Christ's point of view, is getting down on your knees and being a better servant of servants. Because he was not creating a hierarchy of authority, but a hierarchy of service. It's it's upside down from the world. So a bishop could not command that a particular minister could not serve his congregation. He didn't have any power to do that. He wasn't sending you ministers or priests from the top down. He was on the bottom. He was down on his hands and knees washing your feet. Which is another whole story of, you know, I won't go into it. It'll just get too confusing. But it's the kingdom of God is the reverse of the kingdoms of the world. They're not going to try to shut you up. They're not going to try to exile you. They don't. They're not going to ask the Roman Senate to persecute you. Or they're not going to ask the European Union to persecute you which we can go back to Obama. You know, and I'm not picking on Obama. It's just a matter of history. He turned over I can and Iana, I guess you could say him in those way internet assignment number authorities, uh, two people outside of the United States. Why? Cuz they, they had to get it away from things like the constitution, not that the constitution is your salvation, but at least the constitution talks about freedom of speech. You don't have that protection in other places, that corporate protection. So they can, you know, you can say, well, a private company could do what they want. And this is one of the things that I mentioned that I have access to seeing. You know, I've done this for years. Even before I knew people actually in government. Now I know a lot of people. I've actually had people in in my house this morning already who are from government. <laughs> and work high up right with the governor of Oregon. Um uh, but uh, so they give me information I don't get from you. Not you're not going to get from the fake news outfits. You're not even going to get them from Fox News, which is just a conservative fake news. I mean, they 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 all tell the truth somewhere, but it's how you mix in the lie that turns the truth, the whole truth, into a lie. But anyway, besides doing that. Now we also see the Countering Foreign Propaganda and Disinformation Act, which was introduced into Congress. I think it might have even been passed. No, I think it was introduced back in 2016. Uh it Originally, it was called the Countering Information Warfare Act. <laughs> so, you can look all those things up. Uh, again, I'm not trying to create fear. I'm just showing you how this it was supposedly bipartisan legislation that that, you know was written back in March of 2016. These congressmen aren't writing these things. Somebody else is orchestrating these things and they're coming from dark places of control and power and that's what we see Constantine doing. He was giving some people back an assemblance of freedom because even the Church of Constantine was to be supported by contributions from the people. But it was jump-started by contributions from a mass murderer. And Jesus would not have taken those. The early church would not have taken those donations from mass murderers who just robbed people right before their eyes. It's a matter of history. It's not a secret. He, he, he murdered his partner. He murdered all his partner's family, all the children. And confiscated his property, so he had millions upon millions of dollars to give to somebody else. And this is the, this is the root of the Church of Constantine. But anyway, this goes on, 2017, National Defense Authorization Act, uh, and then you can go look at the European Digital Service Act, and all these guys are setting these things up, uh, you know, like the the additional councils want to confer some exclusive enforcement power to the European Commission, notably to oversee providers' obligations to manage systemic risks of misinformation, whatever they classify as misinformation. That censorship spirit. That bringing darkness where there was light. (laughs) The, this is the spirit that is coming, a spirit of darkness. And from that spirit of darkness will come fear and anger and judgment and censorship. And, and, and to bring more people into darkness, to remove the light, to block out the light. But that they will deny that this is what they're doing. That we don't do that. You know, like the International Telecommunications Union will say, well, I think they call it ITU. Uh, they will, uh, they will say that we don't create policy. But what they do is they motivate countries. So now when you tweet on Twitter, if it goes into certain countries, they can, they can censor it. And so it doesn't get out to other countries. So then they'll have to demonize somebody else. All this is made possible by the mass formation of psychosis that began at least with Constantine, <laughs> where it started to get you to believe in the symbols that represent Christ and his teaching rather than in his teachings itself. This idea of using either private Uh, you know, individual countries that set, and what a lot of these individual countries are doing is they're turning the power of censoring over to corporations within those countries. And since many corporations are multinational, that will be easy to do, and they will censor that way. But the point I'm trying to make to you is that there are those that love the darkness. And there are those that love the light. And those that love the darkness want more darkness. And if you start to bring the light into the room, they will want to crucify you. They will want to shut you up. And so you have to create, and this is why Christ commanded that you create your own network of righteousness. But you don't know how to create that network of righteousness, which is the kingdom of God. Because you don't necessarily know what righteousness is. Looks like so i I added two articles that I already created and I actually created some other new articles, but I added to our church and state article uh, which we just went through in the last couple of weeks and uh, we'll have more recordings out on that article before the end of the week um, our uh, article on you know when the masses you know which is a part of the quote. Uh, of Polybius when the masses with an appetite for benefits at the expense of their neighbor uh, began to degenerate. And of course that's what's happening when those bishops that followed the ways of Constantine had an appetite for benefits and that was what I was going to say the, the, one of the last things, one of those guys who wanted to exile certain people and their popularity eventually Constantine let them come back out of their exile and then That guy got exiled. So there was a lot of this exiling back and forth because he would not relent. He was just, you know, I hate non-Trinitarians. Somebody didn't believe in the Trinity as he taught it. You know, they believed in the Father, they believed in the Son, and they believed in the Holy Spirit, and that's a sort of Trinity. But not as certain of these guys who were the bishops of Constantine taught it. But they were so popular, and the guy who wanted, the original guy who wanted to, you know, who was voting for these creeds and these uh, doctrines that he was going to impose on, on people with the force of the Roman Senate, or the uh, at least the emperor, he, uh, he eventually was exiled. Not so much at their demand, but because people who were real Christians knew that He was dishonest. He was actually, the first time he was exiled, he ended up being exiled five times. The first time he was exiled, it wasn't because of his beliefs, which is what he wanted to exile others for. It was because he withheld shipments of grain to Constantinople. He diverted them away from Constantinople so that people actually went hungry. Why? Because there were too many people that didn't believe the way he believed in Constantinople. So he starved everybody in Constantinople because he wouldn't allow grain shipments to go there. Well, let me ask you this. If you understood what a bishop was really doing, Paul was like a bishop because he was appointing People recognizing that these people, looking out amongst the people, and they said, well, this is our minister here in Galatia. This is our minister here over in Corinth. This is our minister here over in, you know, whatever, Ephesus. And he's, he's saying, yeah, I recognize this. That's, that's the word he's using in an appointing. That he's recognizing that these other ministers picked by the people. So that when he was bringing supplies or bringing funds for supplies, which we see him doing immediately with Barnabas, so that grain could come to those communities to feed them in these dearths that were sweeping across the Roman Empire, which the Bible and the Acts are telling you about. He wasn't withholding grain. He was making sure that it got delivered to the people of Corinth or Ephesus or Syria. But this Bishop of Constantine, who did not repent and get baptized, just got baptized, who was imposing his doctrines and saying, Oh, we can't have anything to do with you because you don't believe in the Trinity the way I believe in the Trinity. I'm going to starve everybody in Constantinople. Because too many people in Constantinople don't believe like I think you need to believe. That's a Christian bishop? No, that's a Constantinian bishop. But he was called a Christian bishop, still called that, and, you know, you Google him. I won't even mention his name. He's not the only one. There's a lot more. He was willing to withhold that grain, withhold funds. And that's what you're going to see more and more, because if we do have food shortages, which it looks like all the things that I've seen that I don't even hear about in the news, but I see because things come to me, thanks to God, you know, thanks be to God. That uh, yeah, you you will probably have food shortages here and there. You'll have thirst sweeping across different countries, and they will with they will not let you shop. And of course, if you don't have the mark of the beast, you already are being excluded. And I've added to that our 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 article our article caragma, which is the Greek word for mark. I added quite a bit to that, to explain that. And I'm doing this because we're going to have all kinds of shows that go into detail and show you the actual nexus, the actual what the facts are, to help you with your unbelief. Because I'm telling you that most of the people who think they're Christians today are actually doing the deeds of the Nicolaitans. They are following the error of Balaam. They're not real Christians. They're not really listening to the Holy Spirit. Now, if I tell you, if I start pointing out those those people, I will be attacking their delusion. I'm just saying that's out there. Of course, the Bible tells you that. That you have to check all things. Prove all things. You know, examine your own heart. Look at what are you doing. Because what you're doing will tell you whether you really believe or not. I mean, if you... If you did something that would return you to the bondage of Egypt, that would be the result of not following the way of Christ. Because the way of Christ does not lead you back into Egypt. But that's where people have gone. They've gone back into Egypt. And we can show you that. I mean, it's, it's easy to prove. But not if you put your hands over your eyes and your ears and say, I'm not listening. You have to listen. And you have to get other people to Listen. But be careful. They may turn on you and rent you under. We'll be right back to Keys of the Kingdom. (laughs) Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. Uh, The point is is that uh, there are those who love darkness. You know, uh, if you go to John 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born again, which we've talked about, means actually the Greek we see there is not born again but born from above unless he's be born from above which is the spirit we always think of the kingdom of heaven is above it's not actually geographically above us it's in a higher plane it's a higher dimension it's a righteous dimension closer to God so to speak closer to the righteousness of God you know there are many levels to getting closer to the and each level brings you closer to God is moving towards heaven. Or you're moving to something that is farther away from the character and the righteousness of God, which is the darker realms farther from heaven. And so anyway, unless you're born from above, your life comes from that place of righteousness, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So I'll talk about it. You're not going to see it unless you're receiving the Holy Spirit. But I can, that's why a lot of times I'm telling you what is not the kingdom of God. Which is all those things you bump into in the dark. (laughs) That that go bump in the night. In the darkness. Nicodemus saith unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter in the second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit. So now he's explaining what he means by born from above. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now you can can think that born of water is water baptism, but actually when a baby is born, the water breaks. Uh, surrounding the baby and you see water come out and then you see the baby come out and so that's born of water. But born of spirit is when you see the fruits of the spirit coming out. And that's seen in the deeds. Or at least that's evidence. The deeds are evidence of being born in the spirit. So there are certain... ...deeds that would be evidence that you're born of the Spirit... ...and there are certain deeds that would show that you're not born of the Spirit. And the deeds of Nicolaitan show that you're not born of the Spirit. And Nicolaitan doesn't have anything to do with a guy named Nicholas... ...although some people assume that and have said that... ...and some churches have leaped on that and quoted that over and over again... Yet some of the same early people that they claim to be church fathers say it doesn't have anything to do with a guy named Nicholas. So, but they don't quote that guy. They only quote the guy that says that it has something to do with Nicholas because if you actually knew who the Nicolaitans were, you would know that something's wrong. Well, the Nicolaitans are the conquered people. That's what Nicolaitan means, conquered people. That's what Balaam means, is conquered people. How do you get conquered? Well, you go back into the bondage of Egypt, which is the same as the captivity of Babylon and the bondage of Babylon under Nimrod. And what was that? Well, we know the bondage of Egypt was 20% of your labor belonged to the government. Does any portion of your labor belong to the government? Well, if 20% does, you're at least in the bondage of Egypt. We also know that you didn't really own your land, and we know that you didn't really own your livestock. The government owned it, and they owned a portion of your labor. That's the bondage of Egypt. Well, of course, we know you don't own your land because if you don't pay your taxes for two or three years, they take your land away from you. So that's pretty good evidence that you don't own it. In Oregon, they actually cancel your title to the land if you owe three years of taxes. So you could owe, you know, what ten thousand, twenty thousand dollars, maybe, and they will take a two hundred thousand dollars. Well, now actually, there are houses that were selling for one hundred fifty thousand dollars a few years ago that are now selling for three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars now. So you could, you know, your taxes could be just a few years behind. And they will take the whole thing away from you. Well, that's evidence that you don't really own it. And of course we show you in articles, you look up legal title at Preparing You. That's the definition of legal title. It doesn't include the beneficial interest if you want, which is the right to own the property. That's just a matter of learning the definitions. But a lot of people, if you try to tell them this or explain it to them, they'll say, I'm not listening. I'm not listening. (laughs) They'll cover their ears and they'll, they'll cover their eyes and they just won't want to look. And that's okay. But you're not going to find the kingdom of God. Because you don't really want to see the light. You're not in love with the light. Which they go on to explain that that which is born of the flesh is flesh. So he's not talking about baptism. He's talking, of, when he says water, he's talking about born of the flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel, marvel not. I said unto you, ye must be born again. So, he's explained it now. So, it's now it should be really clear. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh. And whither it goeth, so is every one that is born of the Spirit. So, now he's done an analogy of the wind blowing. And, of course, we know that, you know, Jesus comes out of the tomb, breathes on the apostles and says, Receive the Holy Spirit. Well, that's air blowing. Receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, We know that God breathed into Adam. And the Spirit of God was in him. And then he gave them dominion over the earth. If you have the Spirit of God in you, you should have dominion over the earth. If you don't have the Spirit of God in you, you will not dress it and keep it. You will lose it. You will not... Multiply upon the earth, you will actually try to decrease the number of people on the planet. You, you will say that you're gonna manage the planet, but you will actually destroy it. <laughs> you say that, you know, you care about life, but you will actually poison life. And, you know, you'll care, care about one another, but you actually don't. You'll covet one another. But anyway, so, this idea of this, Floweth where it listeth, this is this is the Holy Spirit. But you can't tell whether you're following the Holy Spirit or not, because you can't not tell whence it cometh. Is it from the Holy Spirit or is it from some other spirit? Well he he, he will go on and explain the rest of the story <laughs> if you're willing to see the rest of the story. Because you're going to ask, well, well how do I know it's... You, you You can't tell whether it's the Holy Spirit or not, because evil can appear as an angel of light. So how do you know that it's the Holy Spirit? Well, you know, James says, you know, by your deeds, by what you do. But uh, if you, you go on and read, like, verse 19, and this is the condemnation that light is come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil now we know they they love darkness because they censor they don't they don't want you know their their algorithms were shutting off everybody on Twitter who said things they didn't want anybody to hear I don't care if you hear the lie. I want you to hear the lie so you recognize the lie. But you will only recognize the lie if you're born of the spirit. If you're born of the spirit of darkness, you will live from hate. You will live from judgment. You will, you will be filled with fear and anxiety and delusions. You, you, you'll be a man, but you'll think you're a woman. Or you'll be a woman and you'll think you're a man. That's a delusion. That's a dysphoria about reality. That's just one little example. I mean, it's an obvious example. It should be obvious. It's not as obvious to everybody. But why do we see so much of that? It's because everybody lives in darkness. There's no end. They will think by killing you, they are loving their neighbor. They will think by letting you have an abortion rather than teaching you responsibility, that they are doing a good thing. That killing you will be a good thing. They will think that. Uh, Their deeds are evil. They covet their neighbor's goods. They want to take away from their neighbor. They don't want to accept responsibility. They don't want to say that, oh, well, you know, my actions got me into trouble. My choices got me into trouble. No, it's your choices that get me into trouble. You know, I, whether you're conservative or, or leftist, it doesn't make any difference. You'll, you know, right or left. There is no right or left to righteousness. Righteousness is righteousness, period. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. So if you're doing evil, you hate the light. Neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved, like Adam in the garden. He hid. He hid from the light of God. He's still hiding from the light of God. He's running from the light of God. And so is most men. And if you're running from the light of God, the more the light of God come, the more darkness you will seek out. And this is the problem today. Verse 21, But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Now, that's, what did he say there? Did he say, but he that believeth the truth cometh to the light. Is that what he said? No. He that doeth truth. Because Jesus was saying this constantly. He had to be a doer of the word. There, The church of Constantine says you just have to think the way they say you have to think. You have to believe in the Trinity according to the way they say to think about it. And then you're saved. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus says you have to do with truth. And like I say, there is a Trinity. I mean Trinity is just three things. And and God the Father is a thing, a concept that we talk about. The God the Creator. He's got a lot of different names you know like i say singularity all these kinds of that you call yahweh all these dif- the existing one all these things are words that we have that try to identify labels that we put on god but god's not subject to our labels god is what he is he's the existing one whatever that is that creates this uniformity and this intelligent design that we see evidence of when we look out in the nature of things But it's not what you think about God. It's what you do. You have to do with truth that cometh to the light. That his deeds may be made manifest. That's why James is saying what they're doing will tell you whether they're following the Holy Spirit. Because we know that he's following the Holy Spirit because he sees certain things. But not just because he sees them but because he does them. It's absolutely clear that if somebody is living because they have an appetite for benefits that are offered him by men who call themselves benefactors, but exercise authority by taking away from your neighbor to provide you with free stuff, that's a work of iniquity. That's not a product of the light. That will make you merchandise, which is what you were in the bondage of Egypt. Which is what you are today, because everybody knows that at least 20% of your labor belongs to the state. Now, it, it always astounded me. Okay, like 14.5% or something like that, is of your labor goes to pay into Social Security. I think it's actually maybe more than that now. Goes to, to pay into your Social Security. So that's that's right off the top. Now there's all kinds of, there's hundreds of other kinds of taxes, but then there's an income tax. But if you make less than a certain amount, they'll give you a low income credit. They'll give you money back. But they're only giving, they're not giving you back your money. They're giving you back the money that they took from somebody else. They're redistributing wealth. And every society needs to redistribute wealth. But the means by which you do it is different in the kingdom of God. It's the reverse in the kingdom of God than it is in all the other kingdoms of the world. And that's what the, you know, the, in the kingdom of God, you, hopefully, are filled with the Holy Spirit. And you choose to share your wealth with others. This is the communion of God, the Eucharist of God. It's thanksgiving. Happy to give. Happy to share. And it is in that sharing that we create a free community. But the choice of how you share, when you share, who you share with, has to be with you. Because Christ came to set you free, which means to give you choice. Freedom is the right to choose. The right to create for oneself. That's the individual. The alternative of choice. Without the possibility of choice and the exercise of choice, a man is not a man, but a member, an instrument, a thing. If he's a thing, he can be merchandise. And of course, Peter says, through covetous practices? They will make you make merchandise of you." You are merchandise today as a citizen of Australia, the United States, European Union, whatever, because your labor does not belong to you. A portion of it does not belong to you. It belongs to somebody else. You're a surety for the debt of the nation in which you live. Because you're a beneficiary of the nation in which you live. And the nation in which you live has men, rulers, who call themselves benefactors, but only give you what they take away from your neighbor. Which is, by definition, a covetous practice. If you desire those benefits, those rewards of those benefactors, those gifts, gratuities, and benefits, you are desirous of the dainties of rulers. And, of course, Proverbs tells you, if you are desirous of the dainties, if you have an appetite for those dainties, put a knife to your throat. And that's... a because their table is a snare. Uh, Psalms tells you this. David tells you this. And Peter quotes David telling you that what should have been for your welfare is a snare. Because it's a covetous practice which Peter tells you will make you merchandise. Make you a thing. Because it takes away choice. And here's the mystery of the kingdom of God. Is that it isn't so much that they take away from you. That's not the bad thing. It's not It's not bad that they tax you. That means They should tax you. Because you've been slothful. And we know that the Bible also tells us that the slothful shall be under tribute. So, that's part of the cause and effect. That's the wrath of God. So, yeah, the governments of the world who are taxing the heck out of you now, <laughs> both with overt taxes, direct taxes, indirect taxes, and of course, the biggest tax of all is inflation, they should tax you. Because you should be punished. (laughs) Now, I'm not judging you personally. I'm just saying that's the cause and effect. If you're slothful in the ways of righteousness, which is the redistribution of wealth through charity, by your choice, Your freedom to choose who to give to, when to give, how much to give—that's your. That should be your choice. If you've given up that choice and say, "Oh well, I'll let, I'll let this guy decide, Bill Clinton decide, or Obama decide, or George Washington to decide," of course George Washington didn't have. We didn't have these systems of social welfare until FDR. I mean, we had the covetous practices before FDR, but as a system of social welfare, we needed FDR. And, of course, then you're going to need a kharagma, some sort of identifier to identify you as a member. Remember, you're you're no longer a man. You're a member of a system of social welfare that is based on force. So he had to give you an identifying number. And of course, if you look in Title 42, Section 666, it says that identifying number. I mean, this is their codes. So I didn't, I didn't make that up. We have an article on that. You can look that up at, at preparing you. We show you the code. I, I was shocked. Like, did they number the code 666 on purpose? <laughs> I don't want to get it like it's numerology or anything. They could have made that choice just to rub your nose in it. But you have to have a social security number to do almost anything. That's your KERAGMA. You know, go look up KERAGMA. It's C-H-A-R I think I have to even look it up myself. Anyway, if you do a couple of searches at Preparing You, you can find it. I mean, you search it on Google, you might find it. There's not a lot of people talking about it but us. But uh that's your badge of servitude that shows that You owe them your your beneficiary of their system that's based on force, not love, not charity, but legal charity. And because you're looking to that system and you are a registered beneficiary of that system, if that system is in debt, you become a surety for that debt. I've told this story before, but I knew a guy whose father had all kinds of money and he died and he was the executor of the estate. He was named that in the will and so he took over as executor of the estate to determine who was going to get what, you know, based on the will and he was looking through all of his father's affairs and he saw all these debts over here and then he saw all these assets over here and he added them up and he realized it owed more than it had and he immediately resigned his position as executor of the (laughs) well why because he realized I'm not going to inherit anything but debt because he could, could as a beneficiary you could actually inherit that debt But fortunately, in American law, he could actually, because it still existed. I mean, it did a couple of months ago. I don't know. It could change any moment. (laughs) That he could resign that position and waive his right to the benefits of inheritance. And then he doesn't owe the debt. Uh, if If he actually inherited money, if they actually had assets in his father's estate... He actually has to give a portion of that money to the government because of inheritance tax. Because the government has long been a robber of widows and orphans. <laughs> and all this happened while you were going to church, the Church of Constantine, and singing your songs and believing your in your imagination. The, the old normal is what brought you the new normal. Because the old normal was based on a lie that you were saved in following the ways of Christ. You have been workers of iniquity for a long time now, even before FDR and his New Deal, and before LBJ and his war on poverty. All those are based on legal charity. They are all rulers who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other. You are not to be like that or a part of that, but you all are because you've been fed a strong delusion that you're Christians because you think certain things instead of actually doing righteousness. You're not a doer of truth. You don't doeth truth, but you're actually... Workers of iniquity, your your deeds were evil. They've been evil in America for a long time. Now a lot of you, you know, you just grew up here and and you were told that it was this way or is that way. And now I'm saying that ain't so. It ain't that way. That that is not Christianity. Christianity is a redistribution of wealth, of taking care of the widows and orphans and needy of your society through love. Same word love I've added to the page on love because of this word agape which is also translated charity. There's two words translated love in the New Testament and filio and agape. And agape has numerous different forms. There's agape and agape and, and all this stuff. So a lot of times when Paul says the word is translated charity because that's The nature of love. Charity is sacrifice. It's you taking something that you have a right to and giving to somebody else who doesn't have a right to it, but they need it. And out of love, you give them charity. And that is the way of the kingdom of God. The way of the world is to force contributions. And when you... You either borrow against the future or you rob your partner and <laughs> you murder him. And then that's, that's the reverse of the kingdom of God. So now you have a little bit of a picture. We'll talk more about this in the afternoon show. Um, join the network because we're going to talk about other things. Until then, peace on your house and may God be with you. God bless.